shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Hello there, once again, welcome to episode 28 of season 2 of the Adventures in Tech Podcast. <laughs> is, that where, is that where we are now? <laughs> uh, I can't. I'm Andrew. I'm Dan. <laughs> oh yeah, and we're off to a great start, obviously, off the rails. But anyways, if you like the content, like us, help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you get you down and download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. It has definitely been a busy time of year, Dan. Before we get into classroom updates, you're you're off. You're you're tired. You're <laughs> you're right. It is a busy time of year. November, December, it all blends together. It's the holidays. We a get a whole it. mess of craziness. And once Halloween starts, it's just like gotta go. Yep. Peace. It's like it's like a marathon. But speaking of which, with Dan ran twenty six point two miles. I did. You ran twenty six point two miles, and I flew one thousand three hundred twenty two point seven miles this past weekend. Fun times. That's it. You ran, and I flew. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could have run where I was anyway. That's true, but it would have taken a while. All right, so NiceGate's coming up. We're excited. NiceGate, the annual NiceGate conference uh, in Rochester. It's called Convening. Kicks off November 19th, five days away. If you haven't joined NiceGate, please, it's free. Free. Free 99. Please log in, join. They have all kinds of free PD offerings. They send you a newsletter of uh, kind of what's happening in, in ed tech. Um, they ha- offer courses, trainings. Uh, all over the state, so it's definitely something to check out. Uh, NiceSkate.org, N-Y-S-C-A-T-E.org. So, and then, of course... Ditch Summit. Ditch Summit. Coming uh, December 12th to January 6th. So, you know what's interesting, and, and we've obviously we've had Matt, we have uh, talked and hung out with him uh, and had him uh, offer a lot of... Uh, spe- uh, speaking... Uh, uh, I can't even talk today. <laughs> Keynotes and, uh, you know, just a lot of PD courses, one-hour sessions. He's done all that. But a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he just thinks homework is not purposeful. But that's – and or the textbooks are not purposeful, I should say. And that's like, you know, his first book, Ditch That Textbook. But Ditch is more of an acronym. And I don't think people understood that. It's just – so Ditch is the approach that Matt kind of has, uh, you know, adopted to teaching and learning that he used in his own classroom. So the D stands for different, making your class unique from every other class students attend. I is innovative, trying new teaching techniques to engage students. T, tech-laden, adding tech in meaningful ways to improve learning. C, creative, creating unique ideas that have value in the classroom. And H, hands-on, letting students learn by doing instead of telling them. So I don't think a lot of people are like, oh, you just, you know, we don't need textbooks anymore. That's not, it's just an acronym. So I don't think we had ever gone over that. In 20-something episodes, oh. I don't think we had talked about that. So you learn something new every day. That's it. We may just need to ditch that podcast. <laughs> there you go. Well, he also brought his podcast back. I know. Exactly. So on his own. He missed it. He missed podcasting. So, uh, so yeah, Ditch Summit, if you haven't registered, make sure you uh, ditchsummit.com, as Dan had mentioned, and you can uh, register. It's free. It kicks off December 12th, so about 30 days away. And you can definitely check out tons of presentations. I think there'll be over 80-plus uh, presentation. So PD the best way in your couch, PJs with hot cocoa, coffee, and on your own time, whatever works for you. All right. So let's talk classroom 
updates. So last week we uh, actually had a conference day. We did. Uh, obviously with election day, a lot of the schools uh, across the country are closed as they are polling places. And we had the opportunity to present to secondary staff members and really talk about pushing one-to-one and uh, adopting, I don't want to say new, but adapting our pedagogical process to reach more of our learners. And I think, you know, what we were trying to get across is good pedagogy is good pedagogy. Correct. So, you know, you, we're not telling people with technology to abandon what works in the classroom. Nope. But it, it's more of a mind mindset shift of really being aware that your digital space is just as important as the physical space in your classroom, um, both for the learning of the students, but also for the wellness of the students as well. So, you know, as we look at instructional design, I think it's very important for teachers, you know, with students having access to all these devices and everything at their fingertips, um, being able to essentially clone your classroom in your digital space can really help reach all learners. Yeah, and streamlining that information to do just that is 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 key, really, because if you're not providing the opportunities for the students to learn outside of the classroom walls, what will happen is they will find YouTube or another method that will help them understand that concept that you are presenting, which it may not be the way you wanted it to be, you know, the way you taught it. So it could lead to more confusion, more mm-hmm. understanding. But if it's uh, a, rep, a repertoire just of a tools that you're providing, it's going to be beneficial for the student in the long run. Exactly. So, hey, did you see my meme I put in? I did. All right. So everybody. Well, well I actually, I saw it because I'm just sitting here and I just hear snicker, <laughs> snicker. And the snickering coming from, uh, well, from my left. Yeah. And <laughs> so I had to scroll down the page. Uh, I, and we'll, we'll post it. So it's when I started editing my pa- podcast episode, I was Grogu, right? <laughs> or Baby Yoda, a lot of people call him. And when I finished editing my podcast episode, I am now Yoda. <laughs> Sorry. But what's even funnier So <laughs> you don't edit. Uh, yeah, I, well, maybe I should edit a little bit. Come on, every time you make me do some music, I do That's have some editing down. A little bit. I do. Okay. I do. We, I, I, we, we usually just let it go. We do. It's it's pretty um, whatever off the rails flies. That's it. We're not going to edit too much. It, it's more fun that way. All right. So let's talk uh, some news. Right. Uh-huh. So weekly wind up and uh, how to add a document summary mm-hmm. in Google Docs. So I think we touched on this a little bit. Right. But it's something new. Uh, so when you go to Google Docs, it was introduced earlier this year, and it basically is coupled with the outline with the headings that we talked about, I think, last week, right? Yeah, with the headings? I think so. But now you can just use the summary alone if you prefer. So sometimes summarizing those documents can be very helpful to the readers. You get a brief overview and call out the important points. You don't have to include this uh, in the content because you just can add that document summary. And to do that... Uh, it's basically at the top left. You should have that icon right outside the margin of your document, right? Margins, mm-hmm. page list. We talked about that as we well. And if you don't see it for some reason, just select view, view, show document outline to display it. And, you know, this just goes back to, you know, focusing on the digital space. If you're providing materials for students that are Google Docs that are meant to be accessed in the digital space, you should use the tools there that make it more accessible for more students. 
So, you know, as we mentioned last week, taking those Google Docs and going pageless so we don't have to worry about page breaks as you're inserting tables and creating those collaborative experiences, but also to put in an outline so students can freely skip around the document to get to the points where they need to without having to endlessly scroll and scroll and scroll. Yeah, and the summary part, I don't think we've really ever used but it's basically an overview of what the document's going to have. And then right underneath that will be the outline where you put your headings in where they can then just click and go right to that part, which is great as we started talking about in our sessions last week, putting those uh, readings and the PDF readings all onto one, right. reading one, reading two, reading three, reading four. Your summary could be these are all the readings that are pertaining to such and such topic. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, something that can help uh, students become more aware and organized if you use that document summary in Google Docs. Canva whiteboards. Become a big fan of Canva. A lot of people are, are getting into it. Mm-hmm. And Canva, really, the whiteboards have a ton of possibilities because they're infinite whiteboards. Right. So it's that real-time collaboration uh, that will be great because the, the whiteboards is is how they're going to kind of empower everyone to design anything. And we saw that as we went from, you know, remote to hybrid and now we're back in, in person, you can have need bigger space. You can have project planning, brainstorming. So the new uh, whiteboards in Canva are making it fun and easy to collaborate with your students. And, and you think about that as working in the digital space with your students, even, if, you know, the blended environment in the classroom, you know, as you're going and you're collaborating and you're sharing information, that infinite canvas can really be useful as students start developing inquiries and generating ideas and making connections and bringing it all together. You know, I remember being in the classroom and then trying to fit everything into like a smart notebook and then hitting extend page, extend page, extend page, and it it loses its flow. So the idea of being able to, to zoom in, zoom out, have that infinite workspace to add things into it, do some text on top of it, it really is, um, it really works in the moment. And they have a ton of templates, so you don't get overwhelmed about it. They have a ton of content uh, in the library already. So to map out those ideas, it's definitely already in there. You can assign it into Google Classroom mm-hmm. if you want it as a template. Small group work, uh, you know, you can make a couple of them. So definitely something to check out is Canva's Infinite Whiteboards. Exactly. All right, let's see. So let's talk Edpuzzle. This is uh, for our ELL. Hola. Yeah, say hola to Edpuzzle in Spanish. So uh, your favorite platform for video learning is now uh, easier to use than ever before in your own language. So it's for all Spanish speakers uh, as of now. Um, And you can have the original video lessons in Spanish. And um, I'm assuming it's coming with other languages, but Mm -hmm. right now it's just in, in Spanish. So we wanted to make sure we touched on that. All right, moving right along. We'd, uh, we we talked to I think we talked about how Edpuzzle can become live right in an we did. online class. We, we did. already touched on that because uh, they now have the screen recording tool. Kind of just morphed into that with our conversation last week. So mm-hmm. we can we'll put we'll put the notes in if you want to read the uh, notes about Edpuzzle and how you can turn your live class into an engaging activity. Um, but I think we're gonna you know kind of go past that because we already right. kind of talked about it. Same thing with Canva. So it, the Go ahead. No, I was just going to say Edpuzzle is adding in, you know, just another feature 
for just putting your screen recordings right into Edpuzzle without having to upload something you create before, which is a nice little addition. Yeah. Um, but if you're used to making your screen recordings in another tool, you can still upload those into Edpuzzle as well. Yeah. The uh, other thing that kind of got a uh, refresh right recently is Book Creator. So some people use Book Creator. Uh, I think you get one free. I always think it's one free, right? You get one free book per year. Um, there are obviously pricing features uh, that, that will add to it, but your Book Creator Online uh, allows you to basically kind of add more of what you're looking to be creative with mm -hmm. in the regards, uh, let's say, GIFs and animated emojis, stickers, uh, audio, video. You can add all of that into your book right now uh, via Book Creator. Uh, multimedia feedback. So just something, if you are a fan of Book Creator, definitely check out their updates uh, as far as how you can utilize that in your classroom um, because we know that the most influential factor in improving student achievement is feedback. So if they are using Book Creator, providing feedback will definitely help the students as well. All right. So moving along, um, I guess we're going to look a little bit more about uh, the next evolution of collaboration for Google Workspace. Yeah. So Smart Canvas, right? I think we kind of touched a little bit about this. A lot of people, are they don't understand the chips. Right. You know, and when we talk about the smart chips, it's basically recommending files and meetings uh, and people. And it just makes it you just simply type at to see the list of recommended people files or meetings mm -hmm. that you want to tag. So it's trying to make things just more efficient in your workflow. It's really what it comes down to. Uh, because what will happen is if you type at, and then you don't have to go, oh, let me find the link to this right. doc. Let me hit share, make sure my settings are updated, copy the link, put it in, oh, highlight over it, and rename it, right? right. So it's it's really to make it a more seamless experience and save you time uh, and become more efficient. I mean, I'm, I like what Google's doing into that collaborative space with its smart chips. I mean, it started out a while ago where you can just search for your, your drive in your in your browser and now yep. everything is integrating so you don't have to jump around as you're working on something if i'm collaborating in a doc and i need to attach a file to it i can just hit the at symbol start typing the name of the file and it's automatically going to go linked right into my document um, if i want to include another person in there i can just put at and start typing that person's name and it will put their contact information right there in my document the most important part with this feature you have to name your documents. Can't have untitled documents. Not a lot of untitled documents. That is, so we talk about, maybe that's something we should talk about is drive organization on the next episode because <laughs> I, I get it. We all do it. We're all guilty at times of just starting either docs.new mm -hmm. or, you know, new Google, however you create your Google Docs. But if they are just unnamed document, unnamed document, unnamed document, you're never going to be able to use smart chips. So name it whatever you want to name it, okay? But... Name it. I guess that's pretty much all I can say. That's the advice that we have. And maybe I'll make notes. We'll uh, we'll definitely talk about uh, maybe uh, organizing your Google Drive for success. How's that? Sounds daunting. Daunting. Yeah, I mean, it is. You have to name your documents, step one. But, um, okay. So, I, I this article I thought was very interesting, and we've kind of talked about this. I think we have, but I think it's always good to remind, especially you know as we go through the weekly updates and we start talking about all these different tools. Correct. Um, right. I think it's you know realize look at all these things, but you know just 
Stop throwing tech into classrooms without a purpose. Yeah. So we know the use of ed tech products in schools has obviously dramatically risen over the last few years. Teachers, you know, have all stepped out of their comfort zones to use products to engage students. Now, again, it's a matter of what works for your classroom. Don't just do it because it's the new shiny toy. But the wide range of skills and philosophies that educators are using technology to enhance student learning. Again, that's the biggest thing. You're using tech, not just use tech, but it's because you it's you got to use it for the purpose. And we know that, you know, when you enhance the student learning, we know teachers don't always have that proper support to develop the lessons that integrate technology, but that's why you called Dan and myself, <laughs> right? So uh, technology is completely changing very rapidly, and the use of technology with the one-to-one districts and just students in general, it's becoming more commonplace and sophisticated overall in ed- educational settings. So Really, how do teachers effectively harness technology to benefit student learning? And and a second question to that, or a follow-up, I should say, is what can principals, administration, district leaders do to support teachers in those efforts? That's, you know, that's definitely a thing to follow up with because that's really going to make a long-term difference in the learning of the students is creating that culture in a building where there's innovation um, that is supported and happening. And, you know, you think about that, Ed tech, there, there's a lot of different varieties of ed tech that's out there. Um, but what we've been seeing and what I think is most promising is how they're really combining a lot of different tools for student creativity and collaboration. Right. right. So I like the way that ed tech is moving into, as if you've listened to us at all, you probably know we want to empower students to be creators and not consumers, that they're making these tools more create more based on creativity, allowing for students to take an original thought and idea and put it into play with original content. So, you know, looking at the ed tech that you want to, to start integrating, you know, is the purpose going to enhance the learning environment of the students? And then it's something worth exploring. And then also don't be afraid to fail with it. Right. It, it might, First attempt in learning. Yep. That's exactly right. You know, things are not going to go perfect the first time, maybe not even the second time or third time. But the more you take We've been doing this leap, podcast, what, 26 times? 28. 28. 28, See, 28 times. Far from perfect. Still failing all the time. I don't edit. Dan says, you know, I, I'm just totally, you know, going off the rails, and I don't do what I'm supposed to do is what he's basically insane. I was not saying that. I said I was enjoying the free-form, non-edited. Free-form, non-edited. Got it. But uh-huh. we do have show notes, and we do have a pre-podcast uh, meeting as we clearly told the audience last week we do um but really what it comes down to is you focus on what's best for students so when you're thinking about utilizing that technology as dan had just mentioned the students have to be at the forefront in all the decisions that we make right so that is the the most important thing if a student comes to class without their chromebook or whatever you know charged and ready for use they're not seeing the value in what they're using that technology for so that's kind of you know, uh, uh, granted, they need to have a responsibility, but we got to make sure that we're focused on what's best for students. Mm-hmm. You know, as we just said about creating, if it's something that's allowing them to create, that technology is ma- having meaningful learning through an interactive activity, they're going to be prepared for class with things ready to go. If they don't see the value, and that goes for teachers as well, they're not going to put the effort in to make sure that they are prepared. So it's so important to look at first, obviously, curriculum and standards. 
and find the ways that technology naturally is a part of what your outcomes and your goals are. What is your end result? Is this something that a student can do with paper? Am I using it just because it's, you know, okay, I want to, you know, just uh, substitution level of SAMR? Mm -hmm. Or am I really outperforming what the outcome and goal is to give students that flexibility to be creative in their learning? So when we talk uh, about that, we're going to wrap that up. But just keep that in the mm -hmm. back of your mind. When you need some support with that, there's always something that can be done. And at the forefront, again, is to focus on what's best for students. Exactly. All right. Uh, I do want to talk about Genius Hour, but not today. We're not okay. I was just thinking about that. I might have to. Well, that's a long conversation. That'll be on the show notes to do another thing. And I think we do need to kind of uh, – you know, uh, talk about Genius Hour and 20 Time. We did talk about that on a previous mm -hmm. episode, so uh, to a degree. But a lot of people don't understand what Genius Hour and 20 Time is. And we have uh, A.J. Giuliano wrote a great article that we'll talk about. Uh, I know that we did talk about PBL. We did. And not PB&J. <laughs> so, you know, as far as project-based learning, when people start thinking project, the first word they hear, what is the first thought that comes to mind, Dan? With what, project? Yeah. What do they think? When they see here project-based learning, what are they thinking? I think they're usually thinking, I teach something and then they make something. Right. Or it's going to take forever. That too. Right? It's a unit-long project-based learning experience, six to eight weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So you got everything. You're, you're jumping in with both feet. The action plan set. Many lessons are ready. Student conferencing is in place. You launch with excitement, right? And then typically between weeks two to five of a PBL unit, students can struggle with that sustained inquiry. Mm -hmm. And then it just becomes into a group chat and excitement fades and urgency doesn't pick up, you know, uh, until there's just a few days left. Kind of like, you know, procrastination. We, we're, we're, we're good at that too, Dan. We are. But, you know, sometimes, and I think this is a good thing to discuss, is there's so much out there mm -hmm. and it is overwhelming. And I recognize it's overwhelming because there's so 100%. many good ideas and it's like, Oh, I would love for, you know, to have a completely project-based curriculum where my students are constantly immersed and engaged. And, you know, in reality, I'd love to see that side of the rainbow and be there too, Agreed. but it's just not practical on all occasions. But I think when it comes down to PBL and we talk about student centered learning and student choice and everything all has something behind it. And that is the student driving the instruction and the inquiry. So I think, you know, it always gives, takes me back to that acronym KISS, K I S S, keep it simple. Um, usually when I'm referring to myself, it's stupid. Um, <laughs> keep it, you know, I tell myself, keep it simple, stupid, and really go keep it simple. You know, provide opportunities for student choice. For multiple means of engagement and multiple means of representation. Just look at UDL and provide those opportunities here and there. And that's going to help build your capacity in, 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 in you know, pushing forward project-based learning activities. Um, it's going to increase in, uh, student engagement, choice, productivity, um, creativity, collaboration. If you provide opportunities for students to develop inquiries and see them out for an authentic audience, um, that could be something that's six to eight weeks long. That could be something that's six to you know sixty to eighty minutes long. Right, right. And I think that's where people get in that lull of the slump. Is it's it's all about how you structure the unit itself, and you want to ensure that it is set in a way that promotes that choice and creativity that you're just elaborating to. Mm -hmm. You got to scaffold those PBL opportunities. For the students to own the process as well. Too often the scaffolding was 
us, the teacher, whatever, telling them what to do, right? right? Most of the project-based learning, you know, would in a, you know, the older format is you teach them about a content, you'd have them demonstrate it in various ways and give them an end of the unit project, you mm -hmm. know, but that's very much like recipe-like. So that's how they'd start to handle things. They would go step by step by step by step. You, you, if you enter the creativity and promote choice with choice boards and everything, it's going to be uh, much more dynamic. Uh, you want to make it student-centered, which then intend will lead the students to acquire deeper knowledge through that active exploration, mm -hmm. creativity, uh, communication, collaboration. It's going to really have them look at real world challenges, problems, all that. It's all going to get into that, which will make PBL more beneficial and hopefully get you out of those those lulls or those slumps of right. a project-based learning, uh, you know, a curriculum, you know, for a project that you're doing in your curriculum. Like I say, if you want to keep it simple, PBL for every classroom, as AJ Giuliani says, choose content, then give choice. Give students time to research, understand a topic, develop, and then create something at the end. Um, and also, you know, it, keeping that in mind, you know, it, it can help inform your instruction in the moment. Um, thinking of, of students being able to creatively defend an argument or present an argument. I was in a classroom the other day and we were having um, a discussion where students had a lot of varying um, different viewpoints on the topic at hand. And, you know, instead of... I. I just off the cuff, I'm like, all right, here's a moment here that I have to capitalize because the students are getting engaged, but st certain students' voices are being lost. So immediately, um, I kind of pivoted my lesson, stopped, um, broke up the class into the different viewpoints, into four corners of the room, had them meet together as a group, come up with a basic argument why they they thought they're to defend their, their side of it come out to the middle, present, and then do a little walking debate. If someone's mind changed, they walk to another corner, then they walk to another corner. And at the end, we actually came to a genuine understanding um, and a whole revised uh, conclusion of what they were debating about. So it was cool keeping it in the moment. And it kind of goes back to, you know, those foundations of UDL and project-based learning is allowing students to develop an inquiry and then see it through. You know, they have questions, but oftentimes we answer them for them without them taking, you know, an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes out of your class time for them to generate an understanding through a productive conversation. Right. And that's where the reflection comes, mm -hmm. you know, because the reflection will continue that learning well after the so-called project has been completed. The final project product is, is never the end of the learning experience. Rather, it's scaffolding and preparing for the next learning experience. And, you know, the way he wraps up everything when we're talking about it is you don't just teach what you know, you teach what you're learning, mm -hmm. right? So when you're starting students on a journey with a PBL learning sprint, the journey is where the travel is just as important as the destination, where you are getting that, right? So the goal is to have the students, right, document, share, create, collaborate, and teach all while they are learning. And that will also enable constant reflection and dialogue to take place between you as the educator, as well as the students, the audience, and everything. And that's what makes PBL so authentic. And, you know, at, building upon what you said, it then makes, it doesn't just make the teacher's voice the only voice in the classroom. Right. Um, we, we see the student voice being empowered, which then is, you know, good for, for the emotional well-being of the students in your class because they feel valued and recognized. 
um, and that their opinions and thoughts are, are definitely important to the conversation. Right. They're valued. So uh, as you think about PBL and PBL sprints, you know, if you have any questions, please feel free to to reach out. Uh, obviously, that is what we are here for. Uh, I think before we, you know, go off the rails, I think we're going to wrap up. Right, Dan? Do you have anything else? Um, I was just looking, and I think our other discussion points are better off for a later, a later yeah, date. a little lengthy, I think, between the 20 time. And and that's the thing that we'll talk about is Genius Hour and 20 time is kind of embedded within PBL. I think so it's all, you know. It's and all the same. It's all the same. It It's really, you know, a lot of different names to a lot of different processes. You know, we've talked about PBL. We've talked about Genius Hour. We've talked about design thinking. It, it's all the similar philosophy. It's all a constructivist approach to education where we're empowering students um, to really take ownership of what they're doing and be the driving force of the classroom and not just a willing follower. So in other words, they're being creators and not consumers. Correct. Yep. Done. That's it. There's your <laughs> mic drop moment of the day, right? So uh, as always, please, if you have questions, reach out. We thank you all for your support. Listen on the platforms, leaving us reviews. Uh, tech hard work smart live and adventure till next time find andrew on all socials at a nicola tech and dan at wcsd tech dr <laughs>